Welcome to my episode on model parenting. The ultimate parenting goals with your mic bay. In this episode, I'll be handling steps in modeling self-control in our children. If this is your first time of listening to my episode, I will refer you back to my first episode on model parenting being all what you want to say in your child okay in today's i'm going to be looking at i'll be handling steps in modeling self-control in our children first of all what do we mean by the word self-control okay self-control is the ability to control oneself in particular one's emotions and desires or one's action so as parents our ability to you know control our emotions control our actions when we're upset when we're calm will go a long way you know in making the best out of our children From, from us, our, the parents, the leaders, the guidance, you know, the teachers, those they look up to. Our children learn a lot from us, whether we are aware or we are not aware. And most times, we parents, we do escalate. We do, we always escalate little issues. Even as teachers, when children do something in class, we find out that we escalate them. And the child will be like, wow, this little thing, does it amount to this kind of, you know, quarrel or something? And that happens, that happens to us parents at home. We do escalate. You know, we can't manage our emotions. And most times, it backfires on our children. Okay? We react angrily. You know, when the children are upset, we add fire to it. Like a child is shouting, and a parent now raises his voice also to calm the child, and it won't go down. The natural phenomenon is that the voice we keep rising, the voices we keep rising. Okay, so most times we are upset, we take our children's challenging behavior personally, that it makes the child to even get a clear picture that life is full of emergencies. You know, the child thinks that when life is full of emergencies, that she needs to even stay aware you know or mobilize for protection and attack because the way we handle things is as if oh my god what has this child done you have done something that is so bad oh why did you do this why did you do that but when we discollate some things and suit the children's upset it helps the children to build a brain that calms down more easily that the escalate is the opposite of escalating a thing when we escalate a thing, oh, it rises and it makes the other persons, you know, to begin to also rise. And then no solution is proffered. But when they do something, we become from the angle of calm. We calm down and soothe their upset. It helps the child. Because every child, every time a child is suited, he 
it is, even no matter the gravity of what the child is doing or has done, you know, the child's brain strengthens. It strengthens the neural pathway to suit and regulate emotion, which will eventually allow her to suit herself. So one of the, 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 the number one way, just like I said before, you know, to model self-control is that children learn emotional regulation from us, from us, their parents, the guidance, the leaders, the teachers, and therefore we must model emotional regulation. And it's one of the most important things you can do to help children learn self-control is for you to regulate your own emotion so you can stay calm and patient your children most times when my children do things you know after you have issued several warnings before you know it you want to raise your voice to control and at the time you raise your voice the child is like you know looking as if to say it's like a fight is coming what is it you know <laughs> so we have to we have to really really you know receive grace that's what I used to tell myself receive grace to control yourself receive grace to stay calm and patient with your child and when you do that, children learn by observation. They learn by our own example, by our own modeling. And when we do, yeah, they'll be able to say, naturally, they don't need to. They'll begin to fall into that path and begin to calm down when things, you know, comes up for them to, you know, lose it. They won't because they already seen it in you. The second step. You know, the second step the modeling self-control in our children is trust. The word trust is very, very important. You know, our children look up to us, you know, to know whether we really trust them, whether they can really trust us or not. And come to think of it, parents who are responsive to their children's needs normally foster trust in their children. You know, when, for instance, let me use the infants, the babies as an example. When a baby, you know, sleeps, wake up crying, and the parent picks him up, feeds him, you know, what happens to that child is that he learns to trust that whenever he cries or he's hungry, that food will surely come. Okay? And as time goes on, eventually the child will begin to trust that, you know, indeed, his parents are able to keep up to their promise. Know, when they promise a treat eventually the treat will come and now I can't think of it as this child grows you know you begin to see things that you do as parents you know that he really can't say can I really trust my mom or not by some certain things that maybe you promise or you force him to because sometimes we try to self-control self-control is something you cannot force you can't it can't come by by discipline a child because when you are disciplining a child you are indirectly making the child to do this not because he wants to do it you know the child is doing it not because he wants to do it but because he's afraid of the punishment you know that might come via your discipline so the foundation of self-control is trust we must be able to have a rapport of trust Know that when we say something to our children we're able to give it to them now a child is crying or you need maybe you have two um, kids and one is kind of maybe a year or two bigger than the other and there is this issue of dragging this one is dragging this person's stuff you know and 
he just promised the bigger one that okay give it to him if you do i will do this and at the end of the day he didn't do it tomorrow he will say no i know your word mom he might not be able to the child might not be able to say it out but inside of him will say no i can't give in i won't give up because the last time you said if i give in or if i release this this is what i'm, I'm going to get in return because sometimes we parents are quick you know to make promises you know in those days when we are small when our parents want to go out and we are crying that we must go with them one of the things that normally comes is that okay what, what do you want me to buy the child will mention all the things he wants you to buy and the parents will say don't worry i'm going to get it for you and the parents goes his way does his business comes back nothing and the child looks and nothing the child might not be able to talk and what that parent is doing is that he's destroying trust. He's making his child not to trust him anymore. And it's not a good one. Because when the child cannot trust you, you know, he, 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 you are not modeling self-control. Because that means what you, uh, you're not preaching what you believe. And therefore the child cannot, you know, hear you simply and obey and want to obey. Even if he wants to do that, he's just doing it just like a child who says, well, you ask me to stand in my mind I am sitting so if we're able to build trust in the in our children what happens is that they'll be able to suit their own impatience and worry and be able to manage themselves in any stressful situations so anytime you suit your as a parent anytime you know you you, you build trust in your children you are trying to you know model self-control we are trying to also make them be able to also build trust in themselves and also build trust that other people can also do what trust them so trust is very very important you know the modeling self-control and self-control in our children and the next is you no know, setting in empathic limits setting limits but we have to be empathic about it you know, every time we set a limit and you find out that our children ourselves are limits, sure, they are practicing self-control. You know, let me give an instance. Um, I, at the time, I discovered that I have to, we have to draw timetable in our house, you know, so that my kids will know what to do and when to do it. And that timetable is like setting a limit for them because they can't just play all day. Okay, let me just say I have kids of nine, eight, and five. And I discovered that if you leave them as you're dropping them, you're coming back from school, you're just dropping them in the house, they will leave you and start running around. So I was like, what will I do? I decided to do, I decided to, you know, call them together let's drop a timetable you know timetable but I have to make that timetable empathic you know feel them have a feeling for them that you know their children too they mustn't really give me 100% of what is written down there and they're also human even we adults cannot meet up all the time so we drop a timetable that so 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 time when you come back from school this is what you do you know Take your breath, rest, eat, you know, do 
your homework and then you can now play from such a time you should be able to go to bed and we begin to do it initially there's not doing it but as time goes on it was not easy for them to really meet up so i have to begin to do what adjust the timetable so i can also suit um, suit them as children so every time we set a limit that our children accept because we don't force those limits on them like the bigger children they children the teenagers you can't force them you talk it out with them okay let's sit down and talk this is the time for me this is the time i want you to be in the house this is the time you should be with your friends this is the time you should do this and that and allow them also add their view and tell you what they want so when we, whenever we do that we set a limit and you see our children and kids are setting those limits it means they are practicing self-control When you tell your children this is time to get in the bath, this is time to shower, this is time to play, this is time to go to sleep, and all that, and the child accepts. Practically, the child is learning self-control. Why? Because the child also wants to, you know, be obedient and connected to the parents. So we don't. It's not something that when you set limits, you make it forceful. In this house, nobody goes out. Like in those days, my father, the fear of my father is the beginning of wisdom. So it helps us, but those hard hands doesn't help children of these days. In this 21st century, a lot has changed, and a lot is changing. So in setting your limit, you must be empathic about it. You must do something that they will not be able to, you know, agree with. It has to be something that, oh, the child will look at it and it's fair. It has to be fair enough. Don't find out that at the end your children are just doing something out of their own that they, are, they, are, they want to do it. Because at the end, naturally human beings can bottle up things for a long time, even years. When a child is being forced to do something and he keeps doing it, one day he will, it will get his nerves and he will be like, no, I can't do it anymore. And then you will not be surprised. Is that you? This is not my child. This is not the person I used to know or the child I raised. So in setting our limits, as we are at home with them, we must be empathic about it because it helps them. You know, it makes them to be in need. When you're setting that limit, the children are involved in setting the limits. And when you want to control, when they are going overboard, you say, but what did your timetable say? Just like I used to tell my kids. Okay, can you go back to your timetable? What's the time now? They will tell me. Now go and check what you're supposed to be doing. And when the guy comes, they won't be able to tell you no, they won't do it. Because you have set a limit. And in setting your limit, you didn't do it alone as an authoritarian. No. You did it, you informed them. You know, there are different uh, methods of parenting. You know, we have the authoritarian parent, the authoritative, the permissive, and all that. You know, but in this 21st century, as a parent, you must be able to combine all those, you know, threats of parenting to be able to be the best you can so for you to you know model self-control your children you as a parent must be able to set empathic limits knowing that they are humans that most of those things there are some things i'll tell them to do i remember that when i was young that i couldn't do that so i would not mellow down so you set limits that the children will be able to you know agree to 
because as children they really want to connect with you and their parents and that's why they want to also join and agree to you what you want to say so that you know the bond will still remain there they may not say it out but naturally it's there so when you set a limit that your child is willing to accept it helps the child to develop self-discipline as well apart from self-control it helps the child to develop self-discipline in a way that the child now knows that so time i should be reading my book i should be studying so 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 time i should be playing so so, so time i should be resting so so time i can watch television at this time okay so empathic limits setting limits empathically is very very important it's you know waiting teaching our kids to wait why because waiting is a good practice you know up to certain limit or point even we as human be- human beings we have a father we have God who is like our father and most times we pray to God in our different ways we discover that sometimes God says yes you know there's a song we used to know in those days when we are small you know that sometimes when we pray God I can't remember how that song goes but the conclusion is that the song says you know sometimes when we pray God say yes sometimes when we pray God say no sometimes when we pray God say wait so as parents no matter how you are well to do or not we must teach our kids to wait there are some things they might be asking us to give them it's not as if we don't have them well we could look at the time and know that this child might not need this it's not important to him right now or even if it's important if we give it to him right now he may not handle it well he may mishandle it therefore in teaching self-control we must teach our children to wait you know waiting is kind of delayed gratification you know something you're going to have but delay just wait to have it having it now you might not really enjoy it well if you have it now but if you have it later you will enjoy it very well so in modeling self-control we must teach patience we must teach waiting waiting is like patience it doesn't mean that we have to you know put rigid schedules for our children because putting things very rigid that oh they want this you say no they want this you say no it doesn't is kind of opposite of being a responsive parenting just like we say when we, talk, when we talked about trust you know so we we, we were able to balance things there are some periods that our children need this and you say no you won't have it now even when a child says i want biscuits and let's say for instance the child just finished eating lunch and the next moment he wants biscuits no you can't give it you must tell the child no this is not you must tell the child to hold on. You know, this is not the time you just finished eating and the food is still in your tummy. It hasn't even digested and you are wanting this. No, it's not the right time. So we must be able to do what? Teach our children to wait. That we have it does not mean that we should give it immediately that the child demands it. Because the bad thing about it is that if you keep giving and giving and giving at a point, the child, you know, has mastered that. This is it. Once I asked them, give it. Right from when I was a baby, 
ones I'm asking, I'm giving. You know, the child grows up like that and becomes a teenager and is growing. And when you ask something and you now say no, it becomes a problem. It begins to quarrel with you that it's like you don't love me again. Before you used to give me everything I needed, but right now you can't give it to me. So most of our children know this is not the time. Like my little boy, every minute, even when he finishes it, it's not after 30 minutes, he'll come and say, Mommy, I'm hungry. I'll say, Your name is not hungry. <laughs> I didn't name you hungry. So don't tell me you're hungry. You're day star. Okay? You know, I'm trying to tell him, I'm trying to teach him not to always say he's hungry because I know he's not. It's just like he wants his mouth to be moving all the time. And they are children. And if you keep giving, you will not control him. Before you know it, he becomes glutonous. That's must want to eat anything that passes by him so waiting is a good practice and in modeling self-control you must teach them to wait you must teach them that you cannot have what you desire right now okay there are some periods you can get what you want because it is very necessary there are some time that is not necessary for you to have it and therefore you wait at the appropriate time because it's just like a child a boy of 10 asking the father dad can you give me your car key i want to drive now will you say because he's my child and he's asking me for that and i must then you go ahead and give him you are trying to destroy your child he's going to you know let him know that you can't have it now there is time for everything okay so waiting is a very good you know is one of the important steps they exercise self-control, their ability, they, they cannot build up their ability that tomorrow they can also be able to control their emotions, control their desires, control what they want. And if you don't teach your kids to wait, there are some things that you won't know and it's being done under your nose. Your teenage boy can begin to go out and meet a girl outside there because you have not taught him how to wait. You know? You have not really educated him well on sex and when it has to come and when it won't. Before you know it, he goes there to get his satisfaction because he has feel like it. After all, he's a man now. So we must teach waiting. Waiting is very, very important. Even when that thing is there. There are sometimes I stock up things in the fridge. And I've said to my children, we're not eating this one now. This one will take you take it to social time. And then they go around and move and open the fridge, close it, and they come to you and say, I am hungry. I say, you're not hungry. I know you're not hungry. But because of that, I kept in the fridge and you want it now. You can't eat it now. This one, you might go, you need to go to school with this. This one, let's take it to social time. Already you, you, you've eaten. So you can't have it now. So that is waiting. You must teach the children, our children to wait. When we teach them to wait, it helps them. And as they grow up, they begin to know that they can't just get everything they want immediately because life may not even give you everything you want now. Therefore, there are some things you must work out for. There are things you must wait for. Your turn before you can have it. Thank you. And finally, we'll soon be closing for today. You know, the fifth step is encourage your children to pursue their passion. maybe those who are choosing subjects they want to the courses they want to study and all that 
and then you see their parents say because i'm a teacher you must be a teacher but because i'm a doctor you must be a doctor or you must be a pharmacist or you must be an engineer all those you know big names in career now we must as our children right from the moment that they are kids you must begin to encourage them to pursue their passion as they play you find out what they can easily do and as they talk today they can say i want to be a soldier today i want to be this i want to be that but those things keep changing until at a certain point it begins to be steady and this is what i want to be so naturally you see you know that that thing that that desire that passion in that child and you can't deny it because of your own selfish interest as a parent so you must begin to encourage your children to pursue their passion what is it that your child likes doing is it the child that likes every time in the house even when you want to rest you will carry sticks and sticks and be beating band so you can't hear something what do you do you encourage that passion by getting a drum or getting a maybe it's one that wants for the child and let him begin to learn or you have a child who dances instead of telling him will you sit down there is that what you want to do with your life no after people are making real money dancing these days so there is nothing there is no gift there is no talent in any man that is a waste in this first you know 21st century so we must encourage the motherly self-control we must encourage our children to pursue their own passion by allowing them be themselves, you know, see them play, see them pick out that aspect of them that they want. And then even when you observe the way they behave, the way the things they really want to do. Okay, let me give an instance. When we are small in our father's house, you know, I I was I happened to be the third out of you know the third, we were eight. And now those ones I senior, the five that we are following me. By the grace of God, I was kind of a role model to them. And today they can never forget it in a hurry. I had this my younger sister that, you know, she she likes singing. And she's too bold that you can't even close her mouth. So when it was time for her to write jam, she wrote jam and got a very big high score, you know, that can actually give her law. And she went in for and she wants she wanted to do law. But when she went up to test and all that couldn't give her that i told her why not go to music you are good at that this is what you love you know she used to be in her family she sings so well that whenever she's not there we really know that she's not around okay so she wrote jam and made a good grade, made some good grade that was, should actually fetch her law, which was her first choice at the university. So she went in for it, but unfortunately, the aptitude test was written and her name didn't come out. So she was like still tr- struggling to find a way around it. But I was like, you love music so much, so why not go into music? Though your grade is high for love, fine, but why not go into what you love? And she heeded to that advice, went into music. Today she has a PhD in music. She's a doctor in music and she's singing and she's happy. So we should allow, we should, you know, look at what our children want. 
as they are growing up, the things they do, it will help us to know actually the area they are good at and then encourage them at that. And to do that too, we also need to find out from the giver of life, from their creator God, what he actually wants them to be and also help them to channel their energies and strength in that area. And thereby you see them doing what they are supposed to do and what you as a parent wills for them to do. Okay. Thank you for listening till I come your way again.